Hello there, my name's Richard Plattel. And my name's Liz Walker. Welcome to episode two of the Bake Canadian Takeoff, a podcast about the Great Canadian Baking Show. It's Bread Week! Welcome to Bread Week. Okay, but before we get to Bread Week, let's talk about last week. Let's just talk for about a second. Last week. Uh, I think that the I think that the uh, the public uh, united against Global Mail critic John Doyle. Yeah, this completely. might be this might just be my echo chamber, but I didn't see anyone saying like, "Yeah, good job, John Doyle." Yes, yeah. you're standing up no, for I you. I was waiting for the Margaret Wente piece to come out. Yes, and say, you know, he really is very fay. Who and, will defend and... our Who will defend our right to say things are too fay? Exactly. And it didn't happen, which is, that's nice, you know, everyone's on the same page, I guess, about that. So that's good. Yes. I need to issue a retraction. Uh, we accidentally said that Corey's, Corey Sheffman's uh, cupcakes contained bacon. They did not. Those were not his cupcakes. They, sorry, Rabbi. That did not happen. Sorry, Corey Sheffman's Rabbi. No. <laughs> Uh, I have one matter to discuss, actually. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if you noticed, but I had a bit of trouble getting our intro out last week. I didn't notice that at all. Yeah, I did. I had a lot of trouble getting our, our intro out. Uh, that was the best one that we used in the podcast, and it wasn't very good. Um, oh, I thought it was great. <laughs> oh, thank you. Um, so I I don't have a lot of experience with marketing or marketing firms. I don't think either of us do. Mm-hmm. Uh but mm-hmm. I went online and I got something, and I think it's pretty on brand. So I'd like to play that for you, and you can tell me what you think, okay? So you just okay. react, okay? Are you ready? All right, all right, yep. Okay. Okay, here it comes. <laughs> it's the big Canadian takeoff. Stand by for takeoff. With Liz Walker. And Richard Plattel. Oh, yeah. And it's Bread Week. Hold on to your bats. These rolls are gonna rock. We'll sell you the whole bagel, but you'll only need the whole. Hmm. Let's talk about this week's signature challenge. All right, what is focaccia? Focaccia is a flatbread, and it comes from the same uh, Latin root as focus, uh, meaning hearth. It was a bread that was just flopped on the hearth and cooked, and then you would eat it, so that's why it's so flat. Mm -hmm. Um, And it varies so much region to region that there's not really a single definition of focaccia. So I think it I makes... think you can you can get like you can get like uh, chicken poppers on those too, right? Like yep, yep. I like that region. Yeah, so I think it's a good choice for a signature challenge. I think there's lots of uh, lots of ways for the contestants to go. Yeah, yeah. It was uh, it was interesting to see what they what they were going to do. Uh, I wasn't expecting. I guess I should have for Jude right off the gate to say I'm not going to measure. I'm being bad, you know, and not measuring anything for this. I'm not quite sure why. I'm just feeling whimsical this morning, I guess. I'm not going to measure. Like, I'm a... not going to make mine rectangular. I'm going to make mine no. Italy shape. I'll just uh, I'll yeah. just wing it. Yeah. And uh that's amazing because when you're baking, usually measuring is probably the most important thing that you do. Some would say. 
Some some might say that. I I would say that. In fact, um, I got into baking through bread, and I always said. Um, that I, I was like, I can cook, but I can't bake. Because every time I tried to bake, I tried to bake like I cooked, which was to say that I would wing it and I wouldn't really measure things. And if I didn't have one thing, I'd throw in another thing. And I thought that that was okay. And that usually worked out pretty well? It was, I, I thought that I couldn't bake. I was like, oh, I don't understand. Flour turns to dust with my fingertips. I must be cursed in some way, which it wasn't true. It turns out that I just wasn't following the instructions at all. And as soon as I actually started following the instructions, turns out I could bake. And the instructions are really all about measuring things. Right, so, to the gram. To the gram, to the gram. I use a weight scale when I bake. I don't even use cups. If I see a recipe in cups, I'm like, this is not even a serious recipe. You must be kidding me. Like, this is not going to produce the best bread is you know it's going to be oh, fine whatever but i mean jude is, jude is clearly sandbagging a bit she's clearly a very excellent baker who just clearly messes around a little bit yeah yeah she's having fun but i, I was just saying don't i wouldn't recommend that to anybody I was really glad to see that James was doing a stretch and fold technique ah. on his dough. Uh, a focaccia should be a very high hydration dough, which means it's a, a very high ratio of water to flour. So if your flour is 100%, then your water is going to be um, like, you can be like 60, 70, 80%, like really super high, but it makes it really hard to work with. Right. Um, so I was really happy to see him doing a stretch and fold, which is uh, really appropriate for a high hydration because what you're doing is you are, you're like, instead of kneading it vigorously, you're sort of letting it, you're stretching it out, folding it over and then letting it rest. And you'll do that maybe like four or five times over the course of 40 minutes. And then that's it. You don't. You don't need it. You don't sort of like work it, work it, work it, work it, work it. There were other contestants who were working it, working it, working it. But I really liked his because with that, you'll get the irregular holes. You'll get the irregular, shiny, like really great, really pleasurable holes, which is what I, which is what I look for. Uh, I really like the look of Julian's dulse. I thought like, like flash of purple on there looked great. I don't usually go in for purple foods, but... I thought it yeah, looked really or, nice on top there. Or, or a food with spruce tips on it, which I thought was very, very interesting. <laughs> on the subject of spruce tips, uh, I watched Bruno's uh, appearance on Chopped, uh, and oh, spruce yeah. tips were one of the mystery ingredients that he had to deal with. Oh, neat. Yeah. Oh. So it's like... I, I, wonder, I wonder if Julian watched his, his, his appearance on Chopped. <laughs> I was wondering that, too. Mm. Mm. Um, but there's three rounds and uh, four chefs. Like I say, there's like an appetizer round, a uh, main course round, and then a dessert round. Uh, and someone gets eliminated each one. So like four chefs oh. make an appetizer, three chefs make a main, and two chefs make the dessert. Oh, oh uh, neat. And through the whole thing, Bruno was saying, uh, you know, if I, can, if I can make it to the dessert course, I've got this. I'm a dessert chef. I'm a pastry chef. If I can make it to the dessert course, I've got this. That's what happens. Yeah. Uh, I want to read you what he said he would do with the money if he won. 
And I'm not going to do an offensive French accent here, but imagine it in Bruno's lovely French voice. Mm -hmm. uh, I'll use some of it for fun. And a big chunk of it I'll give to the food bank, because there was a time in my life that I had to steal to eat. So I think it's important, because even in Canada, not everybody has food on their plate. Oh. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> the winner was John Ross Woodland, uh, and he said at the end, he's crying, he's crying. And he said, he said, it's one thing to win, but to beat a guy like that, you almost don't want to. He's too nice of a guy. Um. Uh, so Terry went for uh, <laughs> four-way focaccia. Yeah. Because um, she has to achieve. Yeah. And also please, uh, please four children. Or... Everybody in her family. That's right. She yeah. wants every, everyone else comes first. Although, wait, she has three daughters. She's got three daughters and one husband. One husband. Who pleases Terry? What's Terry's thing on this? Exactly. Focaccia? What does Terry want in her focaccia? What does Terry want on her focaccia? Who's asking what Terry wants on her focaccia? <laughs> um, uh, yeah. Who else was there that really stood out? Um, uh, Sabrina. Sabrina had the Italian flag, which uh, looked pretty oh, great. Oh, yeah. They all, looked, um, they all looked really good. They looked pretty good. Um, Sabrina, when I was when I was watching her, uh, I was thinking about there's this um, there's a Twitter account called Italians Mad at Food, yeah. which if you don't mind, if you don't mind some salty language, is pretty funny because it's like real Italian people looking at uh, the Italian inspired recipes that they find on American menus and yep. on American TV shows and. <laughs> It's it's pretty. It's um. It's pretty grounding, I think. <laughs> <laughs> so I was thinking of her when she was making her her focaccia. Um, Sinclair, Sinclair, when he was when he was putting his 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 dough to proof, and and he he was like, I really don't know how big it's going to grow. So yeah, we'll see. We'll yes. see. And, and I was like, oh. Oh no! <laughs> you should you should actually probably have a pretty good idea. You should of how have a good idea how good this dough is going to get. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. I mean, have you have you done this before? <laughs> you should you should maybe. <laughs> there was an, another thought that I had when I was watching all these folks make focaccia, and um, it's bread week, and Canada doesn't have a classic bread product. We don't have a loaf of of of. Bleh. Right, and, and everyone yeah. goes, ah, that's that's Canadian bread. Everyone knows that. I mean, bread is life. Bread is the universe of baking. Yeah, the 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 only thing the only thing that I can think of is like there's bannock, which is uh, an an indigenous fried bread. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's I think even I think I'm I think even the production of bannock is really tied up with colonialization and everything and i'm not sure that that many people actually get an opportunity to eat bannock right you might make it uh you might make it on a uh a ymca camping trip or something yeah yeah but i'm, I'm not sure i don't think i have never sat down and eaten some fresh bannock and been like mm, delicious What was the technical challenge this week? This week it was bagels. Specifically Montreal bagels. Um, I made my first batch of bagels this week in anticipation. How did it go? Did you, did you boil them? 
I did boil them. Yeah. I did definitely boil them. I boiled them in baking soda and honey. Um, so I don't know. That might have been a little bit different from what the contestants did. So the baking soda, um, it's 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 actually it leaves a it leaves a bit of a, a taste like pretzels. It's a browning agent, right? The baking soda. And it's a browning agent, yeah. And so you get a, you do get a nice brown on it, um, which a lot of these bagels in the technical challenge did not. <sighs> Holy moly! There were a lot of poppy seeds on Bruno's demonstration bagel. Yes, yes. There were two. Uh, there was a. There was two. There was too many. Too I don't know. Oh, 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 yes. I mean, they, these people were on television. They must have been. They must have been brushing their teeth in between. I didn't even think of that. Yeah, that's yeah. There's this like you know, poor Ray Rochelle would just be like, eh, you got a little something in your, in your entire face. <laughs> The poppy seeds. I uh, I lived in Montreal for eight years in my twenties. Take that for what you will. How was your bagel experience? Oh my god, amazing! I am same vet all the way. <laughs> well, um, now we've made enemies. <laughs> sorry, Fairmont, but too many varieties. No way, Saint-Viateur every day. Yeah. I don't know who did really well. Terry. Terry, Terry surprised did well. Terry's, me. Terry's, of course, she was talking about how terrible she was doing the whole time, and then her bagels looked perfect, as is they her way. They looked amazing. Yep. Uh, Jude came in second. Jude came in second in this technical challenge. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. And that surprised me, because I kind of felt like those Western girls were going to have their minds poisoned by the great Canadian bagel. Right. Which I assumed is all that they get out there. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> uh, I looked up the Great Canadian Bagel Company. It's a subsidiary of the Great American Bagel Company. Oh. Uh, f- famous for their pizza bagel. Is that a traditional Yiddish thing? <laughs> uh, the Great Canadian Bagel has uh, two dozen locations across Canada and one in Dublin. Huh. Um, I noticed that they gave Julia quite a bit much, a bit more to do this episode, which is great. Um, yes. The like the yucks at the very beginning of the show were better, and then she got to walk around and talk to people a bit more. I would watch a spin-off Julian and Julia series, uh, just pretty much just for the name. <laughs> uh, and I think they were giving us a bit more Baker on Baker interaction too. I think there was a yeah. lot more Bakers helping Bakers, uh, which is what yes. I want to see. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I did a bit of bagel research for this show. Oh, yeah? Um, I want to talk... What did you learn? Well, I want to talk about Bagel Baker's Local 338, uh, which was a New York trade union. Bagels came uh, to North America and settled in Montreal and New York exclusively. Um, so the other great bagel center of North America is New York. Uh, and in the 1900s, uh, to deal with, quote, unquote, difficult bakery owners... Uh, Bagel Bakers Local 338 was formed. Uh, it's a lot more Illuminati Freemason sounding than trade unions are today. Uh, it was an all Jewish union with uh, all proceedings conducted in Yiddish and positions oh. were handed down from father to son. Oh. Uh, 
Over its uh, long and storied history, uh, there were quite a few strikes and labor actions to improve wages and working conditions. There was a strike in December 1951 that led to a citywide bagel famine that was reported on worldwide. Oh, wow. Uh, And I want to read this amazing sentence from Wikipedia. Murray Nathan, who had successfully resolved a smoked salmon strike in 1948, was brought in by the New York State Board of Mediation to help get the two sides to meet. Oh, thank God. Murray Nathan's here. Uh, The union controlled the bagel recipe, the secret bagel recipe, and controlled the New York bagel market until the 1960s, when an automatic bagel making machine was made uh, possible by a Canadian, Dan Thompson, who invented the Thompson bagel machine, and that busted the union finally. Oh, my God. No. We've got an ad break coming up. So um, last week we did some ads, and I had some market research then that said that our primary audience would mostly be our friends and people that we know on Facebook. Mm-hmm. And my mom. We do have remarkable uh, demographic penetration in that market. We're about, I'd say, probably about 40%, which is huge. Uh-huh. Uh, but there's another important demographic where we have amazing reach. We have like over 80% market penetration. And this again, I don't think either of us have much experience with, with marketing. I mean, I'm a computer programmer, so I think I've got it pretty much figured out. I'm a stay-at-home mom, so I'm, I'm pretty much limited to uh, the under-five set. <laughs> uh, and that demographic uh, that we are so successful with is men and women, age mm-hmm. 24 to 38, mm-hmm. who are contestants on season one of The Great Canadian Baking Show. <laughs> really? Yes, uh, oh, quite a lot yeah. of them have interacted with us on Twitter, uh, said hi to us, talked to us. Um, so, again, I'm not 100% sure how advertising works but i think what you do is you do ads for those people and then they send you money later <laughs> so i have some ads. Let's, pre- let's hear what you got i have some yeah. ad reads prepared here all right liz do you wear glasses i do thanks for noticing so do i and we all know that prescriptions get out of date why sometimes i get so as i can't tell my teaspoons from my quarter cups And that's why whenever I'm in London, Ontario, and I need to get my eyes checked, I visit Dr. Sinclair at Victoria Park Optometry. Liz, how many times has this happened to you? You've bought yourself a science center, but you have no idea how to handle its finances. Well, when that happens to me, I talk to Vandana Jane, the science center CFO with a proven track record. Liz, has the government of Canada been violating your rights for centuries, signing treaties and then ignoring them, letting your friends and family die from a negligence that borders on malice? Then call Corey Sheffman at OKT LLP with offices in Toronto and Yellowknife. Hmm. Liz, so many things we do these days require a contract. From signing a customer up to your cell phone company, to publishing a book, to inking a five-picture comic book franchise movie deal, contracts are just a part of everyday life in this modern hurly-burly world. So the next time you need a contract, think of Julian de Entremont, Halifax, Nova Scotia's finest contractor. So as I say, uh, a lot of the bakers have reached out to us and said hi. Uh, I posted uh-huh. our first podcast on Reddit, and Sinclair wrote back. So, of course, I creeped on Sinclair's Reddit profile. And oh, yeah. it's pretty much exactly like mine. Uh, there's a few jokes with a few upvotes. 
and like posts about local businesses and news stories except mm -hmm. like every fifth post of his is this absolutely gorgeous cake or pie that he's made oh so really? that's kind of funny yeah yeah so very similar um, but also very different you had a chance to sort of chat with him a little bit, I think, on Reddit, didn't you? I did. He gave us a little bit of behind-the-scenes information for his mirror glaze cake. Um, mm -hmm. He needed to cool his down quickly, and he used liquid nitrogen for that. Which that would seems be so like cool. A, what would that look like? I, it would be like an amazing visual. Like I guess they didn't capture it, or they couldn't work it in, or whatever. Do you do you like li like literally do you? Do you spray it? I think he would have it in like, I guess he would have it in a thermos. And then, I don't know, maybe you could pour it into a tray and have the cake over that. Oh, wow. Or you is, could, like, is liquid nitrogen, is that, um, uh, is that like, it's not dry ice. What is it? What is liquid nitrogen? Uh, it is nitrogen gas that's been compressed and it's very, very cold. Huh. Neat. Yeah, that would have been so cool to see. And he did produce a beautiful mirror glaze uh and I, I really i remember that it was purple maybe it uh ruins the home baker illusion well but i always felt that i always felt that he was bringing some like nerdy science stuff into the uh, into the, the the tent so it would have been nice to see that because that 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 felt like when, when i read that it felt like oh that would have been that would be great tv <laughs> it's uh it's pretty weird to think that some of the bakers might be listening to this yes <laughs> hey hi hi hey. hey guys how's it going we like you um but that's the thing when you when you're getting out onto twitter and the internet and putting yourself on you know nationally broadcast television suddenly the entire world or at least the part of the world in Canada that watches CBC shows about baking yes, want to interact huge, with yeah. you. <laughs> um, there's a couple of other folks out there who are also commenting on the show, just like we are. Um, Emma Waverman has a blog over at eatnorth.ca. Uh, Emma Waverman um, is a writer about parenting and cooking. She does a lot of work with her mom, Lucy Waverman, who is the food editor of uh, Food and Drink, that really fancy-schmancy magazine at the LCBO, the one that you always pick up. Ah. Um, and there's uh, Auntie Donahue, who is a very funny lady who is doing a blog where she's uh, baking the technical challenges. Yes. And that's over at uh, cbc.ca, uh, their life lifestyle section. Um, do you want to move on to the Showstopper Challenge? Let's move on to the Showstopper Challenge. This week's Showstopper Challenge was to create a bread centerpiece that was to look and taste spectacular and have a sweet filling. I have baked a... I've done a sweet, um, like, yeah. Like, a, I've done, like, a big braided, uh, frosted sweet bread. It's a stolen, which I think is a... Maybe it's, I think it's a German. Mm -hmm. You know? And uh, the the challenge, the biggest challenge that I found when I was making it was like, it's this huge double braid. So it's, it was enormous and it was covered in sugar and stuffed full of stuff. And the, the real thing was making sure that like your outside didn't get burned, your inside was fully cooked. And because it's braided, you have all these points of contact between the braids that don't brown as quickly uh. as the outside parts. So, and especially when you're doing some of these like really um, 
I was really worried about the Kraken because <laughs> with all those little points, I thought they're going to dry out. You know, in the drawing right. of it, with right, the, right, and I was yeah. like, they're going to be super dry and inedible, which is always my worry about these centerpieces. Is that, you know, it's such a big piece, and you've got all these little fiddly foodly bits. They're going to be bread sticks right. in the inside, you know, and um, so that's that's a real. I think that's a real challenge. Um, but the cra- the kraken, of course, was amazing because he had fried. Bread as right. the as the Julian was the, the only baker to fry some bread. Uh. Yes, I I I thought it was very impressive, and there was a moment when during the judging, Rochelle says, "Your province is very proud of you." <laughs> and I was sitting at home, and I was like, "What? Yeah. No, no, Rochelle." He uh, he's 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 not from Newfoundland. No. The, the 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 Towton is a is a Newfoundland specialty. He is from Nova Scotia as as a maritimer. Isn't it pretty much all the same over there though? It's the number of times that I have had somebody from Toronto say, "You're from St. John's, right?" Or like, "Your your your people are Nova Scotia." It happened literally to me today, and I'm like. <laughs> Uh, no, it's New Brunswick. No, it's I'm from St. John, New Brunswick. And if you have any familiarity with New Brunswick, I'll tell you where I'm really from. <laughs> <laughs> but we're going to start with St. John, New Brunswick, because you've probably heard of that city. I will tell you that um, Canadian geography uh, in Toronto was memorizing the provinces and then the territories. And then the Maritimes were sort of like the bonus question. Yeah, it's kind of a, a pink blob on the edge. Yes. And frankly, most of the people that I've met in Toronto are pretty fuzzy on what's north of Bloor, so I don't blame them too much. <laughs> uh, how did um, our patron saint of Lost Causes do in the Showstopper Challenge? Uh, James? Uh, Jude, Jude. <laughs> oh, oh, Jude, sorry. Um... Jude, God, what did Jude make? I haven't got any notes. She had a paint pot centerpiece. She had an elaborate oh, yeah, sort of right. mess. She like, um, she she played to her strength. She had like kind of like a messy, chaotic painting scene. That's right. Yeah, she had the fruit. Fruit. Um, she had like very vivid colored fruits, kind of rolled in between, like inside her setup, and then she had like paint sticks sort of breadsticks that were sort of chocolate and sweet, it, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I thought it looked, I don't know if it looked so, like something I would want to eat, but it looked like something that I would certainly raise my eyebrows and go, ooh, this must have taken a lot of time. <laughs> but speaking of James, James brought it. His bread oh looked, my God. It looked so technical. It looked so geometric and perfect. It was, yes, it was, it was beautiful. It was all stripey, yeah. and then it had those filling lines. He... That that was an amazing, uh, amazing looking bread sweet centerpiece. What else? Uh, there was a uh, the bread basket that Sabrina made. The bread basket, yeah, looked really nice. Although I kind of felt like. I mean, the bread. They talked about it how how she sort of. Um, 
she kind of zigged when everyone else zagged. And so she did this, her showstopper, like the centerpiece part of it was a bread basket. And then she put smaller breads inside. And in doing so, she actually sidestepped a lot of the technical issues that everyone else was dealing with, such as, you know, having a very large um, filled dough. Right. You know, so, I mean, and it, it looked really, it looked really great. And I remember seeing bread baskets, woven bread baskets, on a previous season of uh, British Bake Off. Ah. Mm. Uh, Linda made a 2D basket, but it was beautifully braided. It had two colors of dough, and it just, it looked amazing. They all looked amazing, yeah. but... They did, they hers did. Hers especially look. They was, really was nice. perfectly, like, just perfectly symmetrical and browned. There was one that really um, made me want to just shake Bruno and Rochelle and say, what does it taste like? <laughs> Do you remember which one that and was? And that was that was the candied winter melon that was in yes. Bandana's. Yes. What the heck does candied winter melon taste like? Because I, I have no idea. It sounds intriguing. Uh, the other names for the winter melon are you familiar with the winter melon uh i remember when she said it i remember it seemed familiar to me but i can't recall at this time well it's also known known as the wax gourd or the ash gourd oh so i guess winter melon is kind of the friendliest <laughs> version of this vegetable that's out there but like i really it's one of the things where when the judges are talking about um when they're talking about the bakes, uh, when they're testing them, I, I would like to hear a little bit more about what they taste like. Like if it's a contrast of flavors or or some of the ingredients that I'm not familiar with, like winter melon. Um, I was complaining about this, about the birch syrup last week. I would I want to know. I want to, I want to, you know, put me in your mouth. Tell me what's going on. When, uh, when Julian was describing his centerpiece, both Rochelle and Bruno were like, what's a kraken? I've never heard of such a thing. <laughs> Uh, right. And I wonder right. if they were being audience surrogates there or mm, they legitimately mm -hmm. didn't know. But I, yeah, mm -hmm. I agree with you. I would like them to be audience surrogates for some of these more, more interesting flavors. And what, what does, what does this taste like? Right. So remember in the focaccia that Corey made, the Moroccan inspired yes, focaccia? with the harissa dip. With the harissa dip, I felt that Dan Levy's face when he t when he tasted it uh, spoke volumes. A Dan Levy face is worth a thousand words, <laughs> or, or or a three second gif. Yes. Uh, Corey's uh, showstopper was show stopping. It was an enormous tree of life holla. Yeah. Um, which was elaborately braided, and he had um, some earth that it was growing out of that I'm not sure what it was, but it looked really great. Yeah, chocolate, coffee grounds. Yeah. Not sure. Yeah. Um. I, you know what? When I was watching, when I was watching the contestants with their bakes, um, I was silently saying to myself, "Oh my god! Oh my god! Somebody take the internal temperature of the dough." You don't know if it's cooked just by looking at it. Right. And I was so glad when, when they had a clip of Corey with his with his uh, temperature gauge saying, like, yep, it's you can see now it's it's baked. I was like, Yes. And uh, Thank you. Sinclair probably could have could have used that. His uh, both his puff pastry and his centerpiece ended up a bit raw in the middle. 
and that's mm. what uh, may have uh, may have hurt him the most. Um, yeah, um, I guess I guess we can talk about how Sinclair probably had the worst bake of his of his week. Yeah, with, uh, with that one. Yeah, I mean, we could talk about that, or we could talk about Sinclair's purple shirt that had a macaroon uh, fabric highlights on the collar and on the uh on the cuffs i like that shirt yeah. a lot that was a fun baking shirt it was uh yeah. but perhaps that was the last of sinclair shirts that we will see he had to go home this week yeah it was uh it was not a surprise no he he didn't have much luck no, no. uh but the star baker, this star baker? Week was sabrina it was sabrina um who had a fantastic focaccia and um, and a great bread basket. Yes. And uh, she cried a little at both. Yeah. So that was nice. Yeah. A good week for Sabrina. Good week for Sabrina. Well, thank you for listening to episode two of the Bake Canadian Takeoff. You can find us online at bakecanadian.com, on Twitter at bakecanadian, and on Facebook at facebook.com slash bakecanadian. Our theme music is Dog Politics off the album Mood Music for the Apocalypse by Elvis Herod. If you're enjoying the show, please consider telling a friend, sharing a link, or leaving a review on iTunes. Join us next week for Dessert Week. Dessert Week. Dessert Week. Bye. Bye. It's, it's, it's a lot of gifts, it's a lot of emojis, it's a lot of love, it's a lot of maple syrup and stuff. So, so far it's been pretty, it's been very positive. Yeah? Okay, I don't know if like, like right? the Great Icelandic Bake Off or something is, uh, is casting, we're available. <laughs> and you've put rotted fish in this one too, I see. <laughs> did you, did you, did you urinate on this one yourself? Huh. Oh, your grandmother. Oh. Oh, oh, oh. you can really I love your story. I love your story. <laughs> <laughs>